Welcome back to another Evolving Hockey podcast episode. My name is Sean, and I'm joined by the Evolving Wild Twins, Josh and Luke. What's up, Sean? Now, What's up, Sean? Yeah, have you guys started getting allergies yet? Because, like, no. basically Saturday, my allergies kind of, like, started off. Oh, really? This has been hell. But it was also, like, 25 degrees out today. Uh, so Yeah, I, I have a funny... I, I, from... As long as I can remember as a kid, I had seasonal spring allergies. I can't... Is it... Hay fever? I can't remember. Like, what's the term? You have ragweed and hay fever. Is hay fever the spring one? Ragweed, I think, is the spring. No, I thought ragweed was fall. I can't remember. Maybe it's the same thing or different. Um, it doesn't matter. I would get spring allergies for from when I was a kid, as long as I could remember, until um, like through high school and college. And the first spring after I got out of college, they just went away. I never have not had spring allergies or any al- seasonal allergies for 10, 12 years, I think, which is just crazy because like they didn't get they they didn't like slow down over the course of a couple springs it was like i had them one year and then the next year they just went away and i've never had spring allergies again so i understand how annoying seasonal allergies are but i i'm very lucky that they just kind of went away which i I hear can happen with allergies is that just some people can just either develop allergies or lose an allergy immediate like just out of nothing i don't know have you always had seasonal allergies sean Usually it's worse in the fall. If you remember Ridsack in 2019, like that was like the worst I've ever had allergies, period. And I think maybe it was like the garbage plate I had. (laughs) That doesn't make (laughs) any sense. I felt nothing going up to Rochester. And then like that night, all of a sudden, like my throat is dry and my nose is kind of dry. And I'm like, oh boy. And then like the next day, like it was just, it was hell. And then Chris Abraham, shout out to him uh he uh he kept me we shared a hotel room and he's from massachusetts he's from ashland um so we shared a hotel room or whatever and he was my ride back to the hotel and he kept me out to like 1 30 whenever i got done talking to you that saturday <laughs> night yeah but um yeah the worst i've ever had it and like i got maybe we left kind of early in the morning. I got back that t- that night, and I had to, like, do a presentation because I was still an undergrad at the time. And it was, like, due the next day. And I just had to get a coffee, like, a large iced coffee from Duncan at, like, 5 o'clock, do the presentation, and, like, went right to bed. Like, I couldn't function. It was really bad. <laughs> oh, so spring, you... usually not as bad. Okay, so fall is worse. See, I only ever got them in the spring. Luke, did... I can't remember, Luke, did you have them, too? I, I never had allergies, no. Yeah, I so mean, one... like, seasonal allergies, luckily. But... Yeah, one of the weird... Luke used to have a cat allergy that then disappeared. I did, yeah. I used to be allergic to cats. Uh, I don't know. I, I learned of it in college when we stayed with a friend who her parents had, I think, seven cats in their house, and I slept on a sofa, and it was like... I woke... <laughs> I didn't realize it. Like, we were going to a, a show, and we were just staying at, at like... Just I think we were going to like a music festival in Iowa and stayed overnight and uh, I it was like dark and I went to bed on this couch and I woke up and my face was just like like completely congested and I looked at the cat at the pillow and it was like the sofa pillow and it was just covered with cat hair and I was like oh no and then I like after that I realized that oh maybe I'm allergic to cats. Uh, which I, because we didn't grow up with cats, and then um, about like I don't know, that was maybe in when I was about nineteen or twenty, and then maybe four years ago, I like gradually started like petting cats again and had no allergies. You got over it. your fears, so I think yeah. I got yeah, my body I, got over it. I did fears. read that uh, I was just doing a little bit of research on the fly, and it seems like allergies can just disappear because your body becomes used to 
the like gets used to the, the the immune system then gets used to the allergen and no longer has a response to it. So I guess but that's anyway, what happened. Anyway, that's enough for the intro. Here's you want a, you want a good segue here. You know what else I'm I'm allergic to bad takes on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually want to shout out. Let me let me continue this. For Hold a on, you're not acknowledging my great segue here, John. <laughs> no. So let me. I want to give a shout out to this girl from UConn. I can't pronounce her name, so I'm not going to butcher it. But if you look it up, uh, she wanted basically like an entrepreneurial project at UConn. And do you know what like um, like a royal jelly is? No. So it's like what are we talking bees. about right now? Where is go? What's going on? Right so now? I'm just talking about my lunch today. The queen okay. bees have. Um, they like make like this like royal jelly, if you will, and so she did this thing, um, where she won like a twenty thousand dollar prize, and now she's selling these like queen bee shots at Whole Foods, and they're like ginger, turmeric, royal jelly, cayenne pepper. I want to say lemon juice, and maybe there's something else. It's supposed to be really healthy for you and like great for your immune system. And I did a shot at lunch today, and I feel, like, much better this evening <laughs> for my allergies. So I just want to give a shout-out to her and uh, and UConn. I know the women's basketball team's playing tonight. Go go Huskies. Yeah, so uh, contact you us. Right yeah. You, you can, you can uh, pay us the $1,000 for that sponsorship. <laughs> uh, we'll send an invoice over there. And go uh, – um, Go whale, right? If we're on the Connecticut, right? No, 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 no. Go pride. We went over this before this. Go pride. I know. I'm just saying okay. the 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 you know the theme of the show is Connecticut, even it, despite Sean it's wanting not, to. Well, again, what's the we're general? We're not going to go into the fact that Dan Barry is not part of Connecticut, but like, <laughs> might just as well. Awesome pride all the way. But the yes, the PHF uh, finals are tonight, so we will have the uh, the pride as so who's the, uh, favorite cup champions at the end of this. I don't think I know who like the favorite is. Is it the pride or? I don't really remember to be honest okay. with you. All right, I just is hope that... everybody has a good time. Yeah, I hope everyone has fun. Yeah, I hope yeah, I hope everybody has fun and a great time, and everybody wins. That's what I hope. <laughs> and I hope the pride win, but. Um, anyway, say so do your segue to. to I are, it's, it's already it's already a missed opportunity because I already made a great top of the you know perfect moment segue joke and then Luke laughed at it. Luke laughed. I did. At it. I it was a good that. joke, bro. It was a good joke. No, it was actually around a couple <laughs> things because last night I don't know, Sean, you probably were asleep, but the whole Will Smith Chris Rock thing made Twitter was the worst it's been in years. Last night, um, it was. I thought it slapped. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh my. <laughs> Let's just stop okay, okay. recording but right yeah, now. I mean, it, yes, yes. Is, are we talking about... Uh, no. I heard Nazem Kadri is going to get suspended for it. <laughs> yeah, the, the, is that there, true? there were a lot of hockey quotes, uh, but we specifically, we uh, had a nice... Um, all the a, takes were bad. Yeah. Every hockey joke I saw, it was terrible. It was they all were all terrible. terrible. It had, I, I did not enjoy reading anything on Twitter the entire time. It was just every joke, I had already seen it. It was it was very obnoxious, and I you know anyway, so yeah, bad takes, and uh, then we you know just all types of bad. No, I don't know where I'm going with oh, this. Oh well, so I was just, what is the what is I, the office when Steve Carell is talking about how sometimes he starts a conversation? This is the the not the first time you've referenced this. I know from the office, Luke. <laughs> is that that's what you you do? Is you wind through? Is this something. how you see yourself? 
No. He no, no. It, Luke just occasionally starts talking and then doesn't have a thing that he's leading to, and so he just keeps talking, trying to find the thing that he's leading to. My I was doing a, both the joke about the whole Oscars saga last night, and then also a lot of people getting mad at our awards picks, which is a thing that re- occurs. It hasn't really occurred at all this year, I think. I mean, like for the most part, the picks that we've had, like our models have been really boring in terms of their outputs. And when I mean boring, or when I say boring, I mean usually historically we always have like a couple players in our top five or top eight or whatever ends up being tied players that are make people mad or they're like, what are you talking about? And this and but this season has been kind of pretty normal. I mean, I'm trying to think of like one or two players that we were like kind of high on earlier. Well, Lekkanen, but I think Lekkanen was like, I don't know, people kind of. Well, I, I don't know that that was a little bit out there, I guess. Um, but yeah, today I posted that I, we did the awards thread, and I was just reading. Someone got mad that we had Bergeron for Selkie. Like <laughs> I was like, "What is going on here?" I don't know. I think it's just the season's too long now. It's getting we're getting to the dog days of the regular season, where basically every single team has made the playoffs, and there's only like a couple that are fighting. So it's like you're kind of just everybody's just kind of coasting until you may get to the playoffs. Yeah, because where are we at? Like, we got 65. Is I think like, the median is about 66 or 67 games. Okay, so there's teams. about maybe 15, 16 games left for most teams somewhere yeah. around there. Um, and this is always the time. Well, isn't this like what <clears throat> kind of like what a lot of I, – I haven't seen it this year, but a lot of people – don't a lot of people kind of want to go to the shortened se- season? Yeah, I think a lot of people want like a 60-game regular yeah. season. Isn't Which, that kind of like a thing? That, well, I'm um, not in it's favor It's never going to happen, I think. No, I am not in favor. People want to shorten the regular season and make the playoffs longer, I think. Playoffs longer? Yeah. I think we that's have a 100-game regular season, and that's it. And the President's <laughs> Trophy gets the Stanley Cup. That's my ultimate take. I know people would hate it. But also, the other issue we need to do is you need to introduce Micah's gold drafting. That would be, honestly, I think would make things much more interesting. But... That's What's the my... downside to the gold drafting? I don't think there is, is one. May they come out with one? I don't think there is. So for anyone who doesn't know, my understanding of gold drafting is basically instead of having a draft lottery, you base. I think it's basically te- once a team is eliminated for, eliminated from playoff contention, from that moment to the end of the season, the team that accumulates the most points gets the first overall pick. And I think it then would stagger. So the team with the second most would get the second overall pick. So then essentially the idea is that teams that are tanking, essentially, well, I don't know how much, there wouldn't be any tanking. I mean, there maybe would. Maybe it would be like you play as terrible as possible at the first 30 games and then you eliminate yourself and then you play better. <laughs> but well, you can't really like game the system like that. I know, like players are not purposely going to yeah. lose. So I think people's idea is that, like, well, if you're not in contention, then you actually have a motivation to really lose in the first half, and then like play yeah. in the second half. But it's like you can't really like as a player. You first of all, these players have pride. Like I get they oh, yeah. might like ice like a, a bad roster, quote unquote. But like the players have pride in themselves, and they're playing for their contracts. So like they're not going to purposely play yeah. bad. And, like, yeah, well, I don't know. Like, I, I just don't see the argument against it. And to clarify, it is the, the what is it? Well, now it's 16 and 16. So the top 16 picks are your points after being eliminated from the playoffs is how they sort it. And then you'd have some sort of tiebreaker in there. Yes. Probably, like, the, the day that you... Uh, were eliminated or what game number or something you could do certain things so if you i think the 
Montreal Canadiens are the only team right now that's eliminated from the yeah, playoffs mathematically, think... or did the Devils? Well, I don't know. Are night? the Coyotes not yet? But like the <laughs> the, the I think regardless, the, the Canadians yeah. the Canadians were eliminated the other night, right? Yeah. The Canadians from here on out can go win games, okay? And like their points total from here to the end of the season would be their try at goal drafting. The New Jersey Devils are at least close to out and if they aren't already and so now they would start that same clock and so the canadians have a small advantage on them in terms of being able to start earlier but they're pretty much on sort of the same wavelength here and so the devils even though they will finish above the canadians in the playoffs uh, in the playoffs in the final standings if they win out here then or they like do really well on out they could jump the canadians so it, yeah. like it it puts at basically everybody's final games are important. Yeah, and I, I guess a shout-out to one of the, I guess, big... So the history, I was just reading, uh, Micah Blake McCurdy on Hockey Viz has an article called Gold, Gold Drafting Now that everybody should go check out that kind of goes through a lot of the scenarios and like what it is from July of 2020. Um, but it was it's based on... Uh, uh, like a kind of the idea is based on a um, Sloan paper or Sloan presentation from someone named Adam Gold in 2012, which is where the name com- comes from. Um, and yeah, that's like basically the number one objection is like what Sean, what you're basically saying is that like, well, what about the teams that are really bad? Well, those teams will lose. For, they'll get eliminated first. And so they have a longer period of time to then accumulate points compared to, to teams that are better. Right. I mean, that's like that's or, one of the misconceptions, I think. Well, it's like, well, you get a head start. Right. And and you have a motivation to try to change things, right? Like, the Canadians have definitely turned some things around. And they're never going to be as bad as they maybe were. Um, yeah. I don't know how bad, how much negative impact one coach can totally have. Yeah. Um, yeah. And positive uh, impact that Marty St. Louis has. Like, some of it's just kind of, like, some random variance to it, I guess. But, like, you have the motivation to switch things around and try to fin- finish off the season well. Uh, I don't think the Canadians can jump anybody, really. Um, no. Maybe the Coyotes and whatnot. But it's like they shouldn't be punished in terms of drafting either. I don't no. know. It's just like a less fluky way. And then, like, it helps you from rigging lotteries like the uh, the Rangers did uh, a couple <laughs> years ago, if you remember correctly. What do you mean, rigging? You didn't see that? So the Toronto Maple Leafs won the, the Lafreniere uh, you're, lottery. You're talking about the ball in the thing that got – stuck yeah yeah so, yeah yeah well it didn't get st- it was fixed, but. <laughs> this is to be clear straight Sean, face Sean, Sean, is, Sean is straight face right now saying this oh it was <laughs> <laughs> they can't deal with that with that market like failing because if you notice like rangers fans are even more passionate than maple Leafs fans i don't know uh, and, and oilers fans i generally think the rangers have the most passionate fan base in the nhl so just just by that one. just Sean is being very very serious, and I I think this is one of the reasons why Luke and I really appreciate Sean in this in this on the podcast is he's a very um, straight and to the point and the dry kind of uh, voice of reason most of the time. But when he's doing a bit, which he clearly is doing a bit right now, <laughs> that is about important things. For anyone who doesn't this remember, is, yes, was this 2020? This was not that long ago. No, they did. This was this so, was 2020. This was like because they. Uh, the least wouldn't have been in it if uh, yeah. the series against Columbus wasn't yeah. rigged as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Anyway, if no one's ever watched the the way the lottery uh, is, uh, I guess they they determine the lottery pick order. Uh, it's literally like a Powerball. Like it's like the nineteen eighty five like way that they did lottery drawings. I actually don't know if they probably still do it, but they have a bunch of. I'm assuming they're ping pong balls in this like kind of big chamber that then the first one that pops up is the one. And there was all of this uh, when the Rangers ultimately won. Right before that ball went up into like the, the slot. The the Leafs one was just slightly above it and looked like it was about to go in, and then the Rangers one took over. There are all these hilarious videos of like slow mo analysis of like the where the ball was and where it was going. I think, I think Luongo tweeted out that that the Leafs ball looked heavier than the Rangers yeah. ball, <laughs> yeah. and like stuff like that that they like weighted the balls differently. No, so here's the thing: they deflated the other balls. <laughs> Oh my god. Deflate gate? Is this defla- deflate gate? <laughs> this is an actual deflate gate. Like we all know like the yeah. one in New England wasn't. Yeah, this is it has nothing to do with Brady. It has it was only to do with the ping pong balls that are somehow inflated differently in, in the NHL lottery powerball yes. ranking. Yes. But well, anyway, I, so, so back to gold drafting. I I, yes. I do I, I don't really see um any I don't think there's and honestly, this article from Mike a bit goes, he spends a lot of time talking about a lot of the misconceptions, but also like what it would do. And the other thing is that it would um, incentivize, I mean, you'd have like all, every game would kind of have would have meaning. So right now, for instance, what where we're in right now, which I think is maybe the reason we brought this up, uh, like you would, teams would, fans of teams that are on the bottom, you know, that are essentially way out of it would be watching, we would be watching like games like Arizona, you know, like when when the Flames lose to the Sabres or whatever, or Sharks, or like all of these teams that, you know, they have to, they would have to go and upset like some of their harder teams at the end. I mean, it would just make everything a lot more fun towards the end of the year. Yeah. And you're cheering for upsets. Like yeah. it's kind of a fun thing where like the playoff, the top playoff teams, like I know that a lot of teams right now are competing for playoff positions. So like, especially in the East, like the. Well, they're not fighting to get into the playoffs. No. no. The East is settled. The matchups. No, I'm talking about matchups yeah. though. Like I'm talking about like Toronto, right? Like, they're kind of in a in a in a dog hunt with Boston and Tampa Bay uh, to see which one is going to be playing. You know, they're the all Panthers. tied right now too, aren't they? I know. Yeah, currently right now it's points. it's. I think Florida, Washington, Tampa, Toronto. I think is the current set where they are. Um, what? I, no, no, no. Washington is not in that division. Why do you say Washington? They're Personally. not. They're wild card seed, bud. They suck. No, no, no. no. Hold on. I'm on, ES- you- I'm on ESPN right now. Well, this they're is- wrong because Washington is not in that division. That's fake news, but it's Carolina. Carolina is, is the, the top, top. Is the top in the other in the metro? Yeah. Why ESPN is lying to me? This is ESPN.com/slash/NHL/slash. You- There's no way they have this wrong. Slash matchups. Oh, this is from. Why is this 2021? They don't have. Sorry, Josh, you got to check the source. Check this is the last source. Year. Sorry, I had it up. I I did it like I had it up from like an hour what? ago, and I left it. It was the 2021 like current like I don't know. It doesn't matter. Le- leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly but, don't know what I was looking yeah, at. Yeah, so, so like right me. now the top teams, but basically towards the end of the season, like Florida and you know Carolina are probably going to be kind of taking their foot off the gas in the last couple games, and if they're playing a team like you know the Canadians who are very motivated to win their last game their last like 15 games like that would make for much more interesting hockey than basically having to have teams that are just resting all their players before the playoffs start which is like i under that's a you know very viable strategy and probably very smart but it also makes for kind of boring hockey not necessarily boring hockey but it's like you know you want to see the best players play every night and so it's kind of like it, it, it also would would just make it a lot more interesting instead of like 
you know, there's they're literally playing for nothing. And like they the Canadians shouldn't be winning games right now because they should be keeping their record as bad as possible so they can get the top draft pick, right? Or have the best shot at getting the top draft pick, which gold drafting would kind of change completely where instead of them being motivated to play as poorly as possible, they would be motivated to play as well as best as they can until the end of the season after they're eliminated. But yeah, well, anyway, yeah, the NHL is just a money laundering scheme. Sean's so. <laughs> got Should all we, these uh, bits going on right This now. is what the end of the season has done to Sean. Yeah, he's, like, Sean. Twitter is just, it's just like their punches. Like, it's just like to just every part of it. He's just taking body shots at the end of the season. And just, just wait like, until he's got the Bruins and the Leafs that he has to pick between his two favorites. The Br- Bruins. The Bruins. <laughs> Bruins. Did you and say. The, the, <laughs> I'm just gonna keep pronouncing things like that will make that will elicit a response from Sean the way that I have been. Um, Colorado, <laughs> or or Oregon, or uh, I know I do not say Oregon. I know you don't. Um, uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, what, but what what else? What? How much time we got left on this segment? We're doing I was the mailbag. Say we should probably keep this short, but I, yeah, because yeah, we got the mailbag. Well, we should. Let's just talk on. I mean, the one, the honestly, the really the only storyline. I mean, other than Dodonov. And kind of yeah, that whole scenario, with, yeah, we but already we already talked about that. that. But I mean, the the Golden Knights have been kind of in a, a very. I think they've been a very one of the only real big storylines, right? About yeah, actual well, team placements. Well, I tweeted this out today, but I did continue on the playoff. Is on our on our volume hockey right now, based on our model and simulations. Ten teams are ba- essentially statistically eliminated already, based on our simulations, which means. Within the simulation, they had never made the playoffs for the rest of the season. And then there's, I think, three other teams that still have, like, a small chance, which is kind of funny to look at. I think the Blue Jackets have a 0.1% chance. The Islanders have a 0.3% chance. Um, and the Capitals are just slightly – they're, like, 996 um, And then I believe it's in the West. Uh, yeah, like the Stars. Yeah, the and- Stars, the Knights, the Kings, and the and the Canucks, I think, are the, are the teams that are – kind of fighting for the last three spots i think so somebody asked this in the mailbag but like you're kind of like low on the kings to be saying that they're fighting compared to others i think and it just might be like a uh well we have the kings at less 80. of a less of a change in season to your assumptions kind of thing well we have the kings at 80 like 83 percent right now so like I were, I think Josh is kind of saying like there that's a lot lower compared to the teams that are locks right now. Yeah. But like basically yeah, it's fair. the Stars, Golden Knights that are fi- fighting for the last spot kind of. Like that's kind of what yeah. if you go above 80% in playoff probabilities like we have the Flames, Oilers and Kings locked in in the in the Pacific, or I mean kind of Avalanche and Wild and basically the Blues are pretty much locked in. And then the Flames are locked in, and then the Oilers and Kings are around 85%. And then we have the Stars at 66% and Golden Knights at 50% to make the playoffs. So it's really the Stars have been very up and down. Like these, like every time I run this, depending upon who wins a game, like when the when the Golden Knights beat the Kings, they jumped like 15 points in their playoff probability. So, like, there's very volatile depending upon who wins and who loses in these games. Um, And so pretty much that's really the only, like, playoff race that is kind of going on right now. And the Golden Knights, the reason I bring that up was because I I was redoing the future rosters and kind of adjusting for injuries, which I try to do every – I mean, we we account for injuries in our our game projections, our single game projections, like the rosters are current um, based on what Cap Friendly has. 
Um, but for the future projections, you kind of have to like monitor it and update injuries. And it's not the easiest thing to guess when players are going to be returning, um, et cetera. So you kind of have to monitor that. But like the, the Golden Knights have just had terrible injury problems this yeah. season. Like it's just been they're like they have so many of their good players that are injured right now which is like <laughs> i don't well, know part of that is they can't be cap compliant if they're all in well but. yeah i mean yeah so i don't know i mean i guess that's where where you get if if that's you're just adding all of these players in a salary cap and like then you kind of are maybe modeling a little bit of what you're doing off of what the lightning were have been able to do um but then it kind of but it, I mean, I just think it's a hilarious scenario where I was kind of I also tweeted this out, but previously on the bandwagon of like, yeah, I think Vegas like if they just like spiral out of the playoffs in spectacular fashion, like that'll be good. Like I'll cheer, for, I guess I'll cheer for that. But then Dodonov, I think he's what got like two goals. He scored the game winner the other night, um, and it's just kind of funny how now Vegas like their social media team and all of these like the team itself has to now like tweet out about like you're like you know did have scored for us when they just were cheated out about how they traded him and it's just a really bizarre thing that i've never experienced before at least i well yeah i don't i can't remember well i don't know avoided trades never happen so it's a very uh entertaining aspect in that in that playoff race i suppose yeah but anyway that's pretty much the only storyline other than like everybody you know uh, getting mad at us for saying <laughs> bunting should win the whole the, the calder that's pretty yeah. much the which we've already thing. talked about. Yeah, we've already talked about. And also, that, let's so. check Twitter. Are people mad about my time I zone? I think we could put Jeremy Swayman in there. We had well, that's him what in. I was. I yeah. put him the in Bruins, there. The Bruins have been hot, and like the thing is, I think one of the one of the biggest things to vote on for the calendar, I think, is like how wholesome you are, and I think that's Jeremy <laughs> Swayman right there. Yeah, like he's out here like doing ballet on the ice. He hugs Linus Olmark after every game. Like even when Olmark has a bad game, they do a big hug. See, you know you you're know. a Bruins fan still. Sean deep is, down, Sean really is a Bruins. Deep, Bruins down, fan, deep down, search your feelings. You know it to be true. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean I don't know. It's funny because like here's the thing, and I we were kind of talking about this, and we've had this discussion. But every time, like Matthews is having an incredible season, like by our models and by most things we've seen like Matthews in my in any other year would be the clear heart favorite right but you have this goalie and the Rangers team that have really not good underlying metrics and it's just they're really being propped up by their goaltender and it's just very in my opinion it's very very difficult to compare goalies to skaters in terms of a, a MVP like that's just how I've I've always felt is that they play such wildly different roles in like for their teams that, and it, it's kind of funny because I see these arguments. People are like, oh, well, Shasurkin only plays, you know, 80% of the games and, you know, Matthews is going to play a hundred percent of the games, but it's like, well, yeah, but he plays like twice as many minutes. Like he's playing for 60 plus minutes a game. Whereas Matthews is only playing for 22, maybe, I don't know, 23. I don't know what his average time on ice is this year, but it's like, it's just, there's nothing really like this in baseball to really allow you to, adjust accordingly and like i know like our gar models well obviously every goalie has pretty well not every goalie matthews has very very high gar and x gar this season but um the like the goalies are generally like the top three goalies are going to be higher than the the top skater in the league in terms of total goals added but skaters also like it's just it's there's nothing comparable to this situation like in baseball right like every every position player basically gets the same number of 
um, you know, at bats. Like, well, if, uh, if they're a regular, I mean, like that's yeah, the if thing, they're regular, like every yeah. of the nine fielders and batters, like they, they. But play, I guess it, you it, know, it would be considered like it's kind of, kind of comparable to pitchers versus position players, right? Like that would be the comparison. And I'm honestly, I haven't been following along with the MVP voting in the MLB to really kind of. But anyway, it's just well, usually the MVP is not a pitcher. Yeah, it's so normally like, a it's position kind of player. a similar thing where it's usually like a hitter is the MVP. I mean, but yeah, we're a little rusty on our baseball metrics, I suppose. I will say that Matthews currently is on for like just if you filter a thousand minutes for a season, um, he's like season right now is like fourth among uh, Gar per 60 just overall. So like it is. But also like there are some other absurd like Goudreau, his guard per sixty this year is like out of control at that amount. So yeah, but the Austin on- scores his own goals. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, the only the only um, players who have a higher like um, rate guard rate at a thousand minutes in a season are uh, Datsuk, who had his oh seven oh eight oh eight oh nine season, and then McDavid from last year. So Matthews is kind of on. Um, he I, I don't know if we'll see what happens for the rest of the season, but he's he's essentially breaking all of our charts and breaking kind of our models to an extent and. Um, but yeah, the uh, the I, I think the debate between skater and goalie is really interesting, and I don't I don't know I, I think it's mostly because I feel like the the a goalie should win heart every year probably if if that were the case, um, but they never do. So it's kind of an interesting thing where I yeah I, I don't know. Well, I've always felt like they should have separate MVP award. I mean I I just think having best forward, best defenseman, best goalie would make more sense in my opinion. Then there's none of this like. We have to kind of guess about how the equivalency between these, because I think also comparing forwards to defensemen is tricky. Um, I don't know. I like we do our best. Like we're adjusting around the positional mean and all of these things, but I think that defensemen and forwards are put in very different situations for how they are actually like helping their team, and so it's 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 hard to for me to be sure that the the numbers are exactly apples to apples in terms of being comparable. Um, but we've been doing this long enough. They seem to all kind of, uh, yeah. you know, come out to be about about what we'd expect. So we said we we're going to do a short segment here and ended up just being a normal well, segment. Yeah, you guys just kept going for that time. <laughs> so now, like, the sponsor's, like, knocking on our on my door right now. So. Every time they're in our bathroom right behind me knocking yeah. to get out, let, let me do this. Okay, spot. I did not need to hear that. <laughs> that's, uh, that's great. And... Uh, Wait, do you have Josh trapped in the bathroom? Yeah, he's yeah. in the our, th- our our triplet is trapped in the bathroom down here, <laughs> waiting to he's, get on to do the sponsor. He's riding, the, he's riding the, the the mechanical bike down here that powers our servers. Yeah, right. Isn't that what there the joke? Somebody somebody used people it's used a to Peloton. Make? This is yeah. the new Peloton. Now that Peloton's going out of business, but yeah. uh, oh well, they soon will be. We'll uh, be we'll be back yeah, after the break. We'll go to break and yeah. uh, we'll come back with some mailbag questions. The Evolving Hockey Podcast is brought to you by EvolvingHockey.com, your home for advanced NHL statistics on the web. When you become a subscriber to EvolvingHockey.com, you gain access to such evaluation tools as NHL goals above replacement, regularized adjusted plus minus, skater contract projections, visualizations, charts, and much more. Visit Evolving-Hockey.com slash login today to become a subscriber. All right, this time I'm not going to say that was a great message from our sponsor. Like, I don't know how to come back from these at this point, but um, I'm just I'm just not going to give you the it satisfaction. Was, and that music, time. that music was excellent. Yeah, it, was it was pretty great. Great message. I like that I music. Myself. <laughs> Sean did not make. She ever made music before, Sean? 
So I took music class in like eighth grade. Wait, uh, what does that even mean? I don't I don't really remember. But like, I know we did like some editing and like randomly like threw things together and like I was don't it know. like no, I'm not very musically talented. Wait, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. As somebody who went through music like for almost all of my education. Oh my god. I eighth never grade anything. music class, like you're not talking about band or choir or orchestra. No, we did something on like the computer. So it was like, like I a, just was like mashing up some sounds. So it was like, <laughs> I mean, that sounds kind of <laughs> that sounds dope. Uh, yeah, for a class, like absolutely. What was it? It was just called music. So I don't remember <laughs> what I did. I took like some instrumentals from I want to say it was like Higher by Creed, and like I did, I basically did like a re <laughs> a remixed just intro. Oh no, it was actually my own prison. Um, I did like <laughs> oh, a remix, like I remixed it, just the instrumental part, like obviously not the vocals. Um, oh, you got to go find that. that track. My, do, you, can, do you have that it? My project? No, absolutely not. It was can, on like some school computer. You didn't. Oh. You should have emailed it to yourself. I mean, that is that is that's an the absolute thing that you need to save. That's for a yourself missed for... opportunity that we don't have. Sean's eighth grade remix of Creed's well, my own. You guys, uh, with... I'm surprised you guys even know who Creed is because you don't listen to the same song more than <laughs> I, once. We grew up on Creed. Do you not that's know like... our bit about Creed? Is this? Do you not know this whole bit? Like, do you remember our whole bracket about new metal and hard rock? From like three years ago, do you not remember that at all? No. Oh my God, Sean, this is. I one didn't of my, pay attention. This is one all. of the best things that we've ever done on Twitter. Was I don't remember. It was 2018, I think. You say this way too often. What? Like you need to add. We've done scarcity. a lot of good stuff on. We Twitter. We have done a lot of good. We've done Twitter. a lot of good. Stuff. <laughs> I'm a, we're gonna. I'm gonna pack Pat Luke on the back. Yeah, pack Pat Josh on the yeah, back. Good work, bro. Off screen. <laughs> no, but we. This is. I can't believe Sean, you don't because this is. But we we did a. It was a. We don't a, have time for this. We got. Like, we don't have time bag. for this. This is gonna be a long. You gotta episode. explain things in less than thirty seconds. Uh, I know, but it's important that this we is get what all the, you the sound details. like my mother now. That's my okay. Mom. You like you like Creed. I get it. I, no, no, no. Doesn't like Creed. no. So we did a we did a bracket that was the best of the worst from an era that you probably best don't. of the worst. What yeah. do you yeah. mean, bro? It was the. It oh was my the, god! Higher is a jam. <laughs> So anyway, I we no, did a whole bracket. We had a bunch that. of we had I think it was sixty. It was just sixteen bands. One last era. breath. Can you admit admit that one last breath was one I, of the greatest songs so ever produced? We we don't have time. Maybe when we have Charlie on, or we have somebody who is another music fan. We can that isn't Sean. Uh, we can talk a little bit more about <laughs> the key uh, point there. That isn't that, Sean. Yeah, that's the, well, Sean's not much of a music fan. Yeah, uh, dude, I love music. I finally <laughs> like, took eighth found, grade music class. I finally yeah. found like an artist after all these years. I don't know if you saw that the other day. Um, shout out to Zach Bryan. Yeah, I feel oh like I finally Zach, found like an artist that was like really, I, I really truly enjoy. I don't even know if this is a bit. I don't, Zach Bryan's like a country singer. Uh, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know Zach. Pop Bryan. country is not my pop country. It's not, not my po- jam. It's not pop country. It's not I mean, Luke Bryan. It's oh, like more maybe of I'm like thinking a, of Luke Bryan. Yeah, you're thinking like Luke Bryan. I'm not gonna comment on Zach Bryan because I don't know who this is. So anyway, uh. Not to take much more of of the of the time here, but we, uh, Luke and I, when we were in like fifth or sixth grade, um, we were huge. Like we had a, uh, well, let's just say that we were big Creed fans when I was like fifth grade. This is, but this is like that. I think a lot of people like your age, Sean, probably don't realize how big hard rock was for like this weird time when like the Backstreet Boys and Britney Spears and NSYNC were a thing. Like that was pop music, but then you also had like. Biscuit and Nickelback and Creed, Creed and P.O.D. and Godsmack, Godsmack, all of these huge like new metal, um, like Corn, like all of these bands were on like T. You remember? Do you know T.R.L. is Sean? T.R.L. Oh, don't tell me you don't know you don't MTV. Know MTV T.R.L. I know MTV. T.R.L. was like a weekly program. 
I can't. This I feel so. This is like I used to get up when I okay, was like. Okay, we're not. We're not going. Okay, over. it doesn't matter. All right, we're going. We're. It's, it's called. Is, it was Total Request Live. They did like a top ten <laughs> countdown of, uh, and it was like the biggest thing in like 2002 or like I don't know around the turn of like the millennium. Wow, I was yeah. four years. Carson old. Daly. I know. Right. Car- you know Carson Daly. No. You don't know who Carson he was on like he wasn't just from there. He did like didn't he do like Dancing uh, with the Stars or something? something. He did some other show Dancing later. Dancing with the stars. You think I watched Dancing with the Stars? No, he was the host. Okay, it doesn't matter. It, it does, doesn't it doesn't matter. All right. it, now we're a, transitioning. We're, we're trying get, to explain something to Sean and he just is now it's oh, a little bit unfortunate that Sean Okay, let's get into the mailbag. Okay. All right. Mailbag. Thank you everyone who submitted questions. Yes. Um we're gonna try to answer as many as we can here. This might go a little bit long, I guess, because we probably could have done the entire show. I'm really um, bummed that we I don't have that. I said that we should have just done that. I know, but we want we talked I'm, early. I'm, I'm I wasn't, really the bummed last... that we don't have Sean's remix of, of Creed. <laughs> like, that's such a missed opportunity. Okay, Sean, the pick the questions. Let's get into the mailbag. We don't have a lot of time. All right, time to get serious. Yeah, serious. All right, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so the question I really liked, but like it's not great for this podcast maybe, is like... Uh, uh, Zach Raskovich said, I could have sworn I saw a five forward power play Florida um, and a four forward OT power play Minnesota uh, in the span of a week. Is hockey evolving? Ooh. So I like the pun, so that's why I, on, I had to pick it up. On brand. So, oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I, um, didn't, I didn't see. I, I Well, I think the the Minnesota power play, would that have been against Colorado yesterday? I don't know. I was too busy focused on Jack Johnson starting that, defending the <laughs> shorthanded, like the the their. So the answer to that is is yes. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, uh, I do. Shout out to Jack Johnson um, <laughs> for it, and they lost bad. immediately. Oh yeah, because it was because it was um, the pass was it was Ericsson at Kaprizov oh and they're just gonna go on, eh? <laughs> no, but it was four forwards. It was. It was Ericsson, yes, Zuccarello, yes. Fiala, and Kaprizov. The four were the four forwards, which I don't know if I've seen the Wild do that before. The Wild haven't historically been a team that really likes to utilize like. Well, a, also like Spurgeon's really good. Well, that's on the, the thing. Power so play. the Wild have had have been a team that actually like most of the time they're don't don't look at me that way, Sean. It's true. It is. Check well, the statistics. Well, check the statistics. Uh, my. They they've been a team that's had very good defensemen. So like you want Jared Spurgeon out in most situations, right? Like like that's the or or Brodeen or even a couple of years ago Dumba on the power play was like kind of used. Yeah. You know, I mean, if they're gonna do one, it would be Spurgeon. But I I like I think that that's a, a you know a good move in that. Situation. Don't look at me like that, Sean. The Wild have had very good blue line for at least for a okay. bit. So where I was gonna go with this is yeah, um, I don't necessarily like the default that. Or, or the default idea that hockey analytics is like quote unquote like aggressive when coming to like hockey hockey tactics. I know it's like a little out of your range, maybe. Yeah. Like, so I guess the way to explain it is that it's not always best to be more aggressive. And what I mean by that, it's the same sort of idea of when you. Uh, pull your goaltender right at a certain point the goal against like matters basically just not at all right and a goal for changes the odds that you can win significantly um and at a certain point you pull your goaltender in order to try to score right um it's the same type of thing when you utilize forwards on power plays so like years ago like three forwards and two defensemen was like the standard for power plays. Um, and eventually like, they were like, well, actually our default should probably be four forwards. But if you're up by one, let's say, 
uh, with five minutes to go, you should probably be icing two defensemen because, like, the goal against really matters a lot more than the goal yeah. for, right? Yeah. So it's, it's just this different idea that, like, goals aren't always equal in both directions. And yeah. so we basically found that, uh, at least early in the game, you're supposed to be more aggressive by default, and, like, five forwards is probably a good idea. But at a certain point, uh, depending on the score state and the situation, you should actually be more conservative. So I, I just, it's one of the pet peeves that I have that people think it should be default. I think it's just measuring risk. Uh, I think that's really what analytics is about is like measuring the risk and like coaches uh, are generally going to be more risk adverse. And so hockey analytics has like, has made you more comfortable to take more risk. I think. Yeah. In very specific, in in specific situations when it makes sense. Right. I think that's, but I think the thing also is that like, like you were saying, if it's the third period, you're up by one goal, right. You you, like, I would imagine that the, 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 the killing, the team that's killing is probably going to be much more aggressive in terms of their shorthanded opportunities. And especially, or they should, or they should be, you would think that they would be, they should be, be getting more aggressive in terms of, trying to score while they're shorthanded and if you have five forwards out there that like that's good they're not going to be as well equipped as defensemen would be to defend a rush chance and rush opportunity against which is where you probably should be playing two def- two defensemen um now if it's a four on three that is a different situation i think because those i mean that's like the highest uh rate of scoring in the nhl is the four on three i think uh might then, just the argu- be... the, then the argument is, I think it is, but then the argument is, well, it's very marginal probably to add a fourth forward. Yeah. Right. Well, and to it switch would be, out that defenseman. It would be very specific to teams, right? Yeah. Where yes. if a team like, say, Colorado or, I mean, probably even Toronto or a team like, or Florida, teams that have a very, very good top forward group, like, I think it makes sense but some teams like they're going to have a defenseman that would be better than their fourth forward in that situation well and that's what that. i was saying with uh, with the wild have they like, i would i would argue that for years their like third or fourth best player like in a power play situation would be like their two, two of their defensemen so it makes a lot more sense for the wild to play those but also it depends on the system it's very specific and i feel like we um need to move on to another question yeah but okay. yes yeah. so <laughs> it next is question yeah oh i had a question but sean you can go ahead okay Sean's a Maybe moderator. it's the same question. Uh, in your game projection model, it was. Well, this is the one okay. I was going to ask. Wow. I, I think it's a really good question. Yeah, uh, if too. you're weighing in the team's performance over the last 25 games, how do you account for uh, circumstances uh, that may skew the numbers during those games? So I, I think the um, it's an interesting. I, I think it's a couple. There's a couple different uh, aspects of it. Is is Number one is how um, does your how is your game probability model built? And so ours specifically has a player component and a roster component. Um, so we we set rosters before and we have individual player projections for those players, and then we identify before the game projection the probabilities are run um, what the roster will be, so that we have a roster makeup of the players that are in and out versus. So like if McDavid gets hurt, that will be reflected, that kind of thing. Um, but we also have a team component that just measures overall team performance um, over the prior 25 games. And so that's, I think, kind of what they're referring to here is um, if a player gets hurt, uh, how does that, uh, like the past 25 games, say if that player was in the lineup, 
is that going to be impacted there? And I guess the answer there up front is that no. Like for instance, if um, you know Vegas loses Mark Stone, and you know, or I guess if, like I mean, an extreme example would be like the Leafs if they lost Matthews after the last. You know, he's been playing for more than twenty five games. They lose Matthews. The previous twenty five games will have him in the lineup. But I think the overall idea is that over the course, like the aggregate, is that teams tend to kind of play in a similar way where that um, that those numbers don't change drastically when they lose like one player outside of extreme scenarios. And so it's an idea of trying to, to account for general team strength as uh, in addition to the actual roster or player specific um, uh, numbers. So I, I think accounting for it is technically that is more of a trend for the team because a team can play better or worse, like just how they've been playing in recent like recently without any kind of impact of players missing time or not they might just be trending upward or downwards which is kind of what we're attempting to account for now i don't know luke luke might have something else to add to that yeah but well, that's kind of the general idea I would yeah say. considering i built that model this offseason <laughs> josh did well no it's um i think that the other thing to point out is that with a model like this you're trying to best account for everything or you need to we need to be projecting every single game um, and so the kind of the trick is that you're trying to kind of compromise on one way or the other, if that makes sense. So like what essentially is that overall in train when training the model, this is what produced the best out of sample performance for us. And so that's the reason we're using it. I mean, that's kind of like the the real answer is that when testing and training this model, um, we basically compare it to out of sample. So we train it on model on data that, that the model had like is seeing and then we leave a certain portion out and then we test the model to predict the games that were not the model was not trained on and in our decisions are based on how to optimize out of sample um, prediction or predictiveness because that best is going to replicate how to how we're going to do when predicting future games and so when we built the model this way we have a team component and a roster component and I think that that best balance is trying to account for true strength state of a team at that given moment because you have rosters uh so you have the roster aggregate like the average strength of each of the forwards and defensemen and goalies and then that's one component and then you also have a just overall team component which is a um so so you're kind of balancing them and both I, and I that's it the, just kind of works that the, way the best from a yeah and, and the other aspect is that usually especially within a population is one player missing time out of a lineup isn't going to have as big of an impact on a team's performance like right away because teams tend to adapt and they play players like they take they'll they'll put other players in a position so it's like it might seem like like for instance now that is outside of extreme cases like the Oilers losing McDavid or the Leafs losing Matthews or something like that, which that would have a, probably a more noticeable impact on a team's performance over the course of 25 games. But overall, most teams adapt to losing players, and so their general performance is um, without one player is still somewhat comparable usually. Yeah, I think that the the when I've kind of looked at it now, I haven't done this for every player, but it's more and more of like a test case. But um, generally, like, for instance, if I think it was – the example I had was Kucherov, I think, from the 1920 season um, when he versus Sean <laughs> can't I can't say the 2019-2020 season <laughs> when Kucherov was like really at the top. You know, he did before his injuries. And I think that we had the impact there was one of the most extremes, which was um, about a six to seven percent drop in win probability for Tampa at that time. And that's about the most that you're going to see from one player. 
um, being out of a lineup. Now, that obviously is going to depend on the player that they're replaced with. So it's kind of like if you're just taking, like, if they have, like, replaced that player with a really bad player, then it could be more. Um, and if they replace them with, you know, like a good depth player, it could be less. So it's it's generally probably about 5 to 6% is kind of the most impact that the best player in the league can yeah, have on a single win probability output. So, And I guess the last part uh, <clears throat> is that teams usually um, – like the team performance and roster performance are like Luke mentioned this, but they are different. And so the the just including rosters and player values there, um, it only accounts for the play of those individual players at an individual modeling level. Um, but it doesn't it, it it's still kind of missing an aspect of team component of team effects that are maybe not incorporated in a way that something like just a, a simple prior performance from the overall team is, which we've found in testing that that does improve the model and into improve prediction. But we should move on to the next question. Because Sean is getting bored, I think. Okay. <laughs> so I like this question from Steve Pellegrino. Is there anything to suggest that OT faceoff wins are that much more impactful? Specifically, would you advocate for placement level player to be out for a three on three to take faceoffs? Uh, we're talking about a 56% guy as opposed to 50%. I don't think so. Because then so. They, ha- they have to play the whole well, time. Well, that's a thing. Not necessarily. <laughs> it's called faceoff get off. Well, well, yeah, okay, but, well, that's a specific so, thing. But the thing with face-up is, like, what happens if they lose, right? Like, they only, you know, on average win. There's so like, yeah. Like, if it's, if it's say, it's uh, O'Reilly, so, so Ryan here's, O'Reilly. Here's the, well, Ryan right? O'Reilly's not a replacement-level player. Like, no, no, Paul no but Gostad I'm saying, okay, best yeah. Yeah. example. Yes, if it's Paul Gostad, there's a, what, I think he was a 60, basically, say he's a 60% face-off guy, yeah. right? And really not great otherwise. Also, very, very much a defensive player, like a specialist for a defensive forward. Uh, like, there's a, yeah, six out of ten times he's going to win the face-off and then he can get off. But the other four out of ten times he's going to lose and then he's stuck on the ice defending in a three-on-three scenario. And that is, I would say, not optimal. Now, I could also see i mean i don't know sean you were gonna say something there you seem well, to like, disagree here's the thing it's like winning possession the the possession is so important with the three on three like three on three got ruined like really quickly right like it's not even that fun anymore it's still that's pretty fun. fun it's not that fun anymore <laughs> that's your opinion okay that's great it's my opinion it's correct so like l- let's say it's just to start off uh, you start off with a face-off get-off guy. Like, winning the first possession is extremely important, and the guy can get off. It's in the neutral zone, and then you're going to do your regroup. So I absolutely would put them out in those positions. Now, a defensive zone face-off, uh, 140 left, whatever. Like, that's maybe a different scenario because you lose, you can't get off. But yeah. absolutely, like, I think neutral zone face-offs, especially, like, to start – it's the way to go and also replacement level players aren't are significantly closer to like your average player or like your second or third liner that you're gonna have out there anyway than like people realize so i don't think it's like that big of a loss to have them out there if they really get stuck out there and the possession is extremely important see but i i still well i don't know i guess i i want to i want to run play, the numbers let's ice some teams against each other i mean yeah let's, let's let's get an experiment going where we have like teams like for instance we have one one team has uh uh, I don't know who's the, who's the best player who's the worst at faceoffs. McKinnon, I, I, yeah, McKinnon, <laughs> sure, McKinnon. I or, think, th- or uh, I'm trying to think. I who- just did the opposite. So, like one of the wor- one of the best faceoff people who um, in the league uh, who is currently below replacement over the last five years is Jay Beagle. 
Um, he's very good at faceoffs, but he's not good. Is he so, still in the league, though? Uh, yeah, he's on the Canucks, right? Yeah, I, I think so. No, did he get traded to the Coyotes? He got, he's on the Coyotes. That's Is right. Is he playing? I no, he's been injured. I just don't want to deal with Jay Beagle. I will say that <laughs> I'm just saying this example. is the kind of this is the okay. current kind of player that okay, you, you're talking Beagle, about. A Jay yeah. Beagle versus a Nathan McKinnon. Uh, let me hold on really quick. I'm stall, <laughs> stall. Let me find a really terrible. Yeah, Eric McKinnon. Stahl? McKinnon, well, no. McKinnon is really yeah. bad. At McKinnon face-off. is really bad at face. So, would you rather have Jay Beagle or would you rather have Nathan McKinnon? Okay, but that's not a fair. Comparison. I know that's not the question. I, I know because I could get Jay Beagle to win the faceoff and then put Nathan so, McKinnon on the ice. Here's the thing I, I was going to say while I was while we were supposed to stall. Josh, find more content. I don't. Well. The, so the is is that I want to go now. I'm very interested to procrastinate on my other work that I need to do and go look at all three on three overtimes and look at um, percentage of neutral zone faceoffs won correlated with whether or but not. But I they don't won. think that's the argument. But that's like the I know I know it's not the argument. Well, but like okay. that would so, be one so, way to kind of look. But at But that's this. not the way to look at it. It's it's the same way. Like you can't just look at like faceoff percentage as a correlation to wins. No, I, mean, I, you I can. I you can kind of. <laughs> I mean, no. I know, I know, it's, I know, it's, it's much more complicated. I, I think but. what the argument really is that Sean, you're saying, I guess the scenario would be, if you have a guy like Jay Beagle or uh, Paul Goss, modern Paul Gostad, right, or Jared Stoll, or Jared Stoll, that you would put that player out to win the faceoff over somebody who is much worse on, but at faceoffs, but is better in general overall, and then would try to hope they win the faceoff, and then you would immediately take them off the ice somehow. Right. That, that's yeah. like this. That's the. But well, like, off- let's say you cleanly want to face off back in the neutral zone. It's like your ideal scenario. Yeah. Well, the defense is going to sit back there with it and that player can easily get off the ice and you put another player on the ice. Well, yeah, but I guess my the, the thing that I think Luke and I are both thinking about is the times they don't win the face off and then they're stuck out on the ice. I don't think three. this is a strategy to use on every face off. I just think it's something yeah. that you could use on your face yeah. off, especially like start the overtime, especially like because possession is so important. Say you're playing yeah. like you're like your opponent is. I don't know Colorado Avalanche, and they're putting Nathan McKinnon out. Say you're the home team, so you get to match their line, right? So they come out and they put their line, and it's Nathan McKinnon out there. Like yeah. that, I think would make sense to put like maybe your best faceoff player, who might not be the best overall for the overall game state, and just try to win the faceoff, and then so you can get possession and then just change very. Quickly. Yeah, because you guys are like thinking with like a loser mentality too. <laughs> like, no, but like what I'm saying is you you could take you have a better chance to take the puck away from Nathan McKinnon. Like, yeah. everybody's worried yeah. about the loss. This is, like, utility theory all over again. Like, everybody's worried about, well, what happens when you lose? But, like, just don't lose. But I'm, I, I think I'm all, I think I'm Burn the boats. I know, but I'm, I'm specifically also thinking about a, a player acquisition ideas as well, is that I think that then your, um, your thought then fairly quickly leads to, well, we have to go out and get one of those kind of face-off guys. No, it doesn't. It kind of like, does, though. That's what no, the league people, is like. No, people try to make the downstream effects, and, like, this is what I, I mean, don't like about, about this part of, of hockey and like sphere. It's like, face-offs isolated within, like, their 10 to 30-second ranges are important. Faceoffs outside of those are unimportant. Faceoffs are generally rare events, but I think planning within those events or how you utilize the players that you have within those events is like an open season. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm not. I can I agree with you from a specific scenario, but I would say overall, I don't feel like I necessarily agree with you. <laughs> or more, more, it's, it's. I think maybe my feeling is that I don't really care. Yeah, maybe that's more. I'm <laughs> but more that's right. just me from not a non-tactics person. I just really, I wish there weren't face-offs. I wish that like you don't like the idea of like a face-off get-off though. Like when I watch like college across or something, that's like 
the most funny thing on I, earth. I, it's more you're that like I, the two face off guys, and they just go run off the field. <laughs> like they're just yeah. there to, put, no, to take face offs. It, it is funny. It's just, I guess you could say that this is a loser mentality, but it's also the, the amount of time that somebody I've seen good people at face offs who aren't good at anything else just not win a face-off, and then they're stuck out on the ice. And I think that becomes more... But that ins- might be more of, like, because they, they go out there in the defensive zone, and then they lose, and they have to defend, and they just get burned. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I don't know. We've I, gone I, on way too long about face-offs right now. I guess I kind of agree and disagree with Sean. Yeah. We'll move on, we'll move on to another one. I don't know if you have one in mind. I could scroll up and find one. Oh, I, I, had, I had a couple. Um, uh, I don't know. Oh, here's is- a quick one. What's the likelihood of the NHL uh, increasing the salary cap above $81.5 million this summer? So then, I, I looked into this. I'm pretty sure that it was confirmed back in September that they're going to raise it a million. And I, somebody responded, I think, was it Hockey Stats Miner? Yeah. Um, Hockey Stat Miner basically said that kind of the theory is that probably they're going to keep increasing for by one year or $1 million each year for the next like four or five years until the escrow debt's paid off. So it seems like right now $82.5 million will be the 2022-2023 salary cap, which is what we are currently working under the assumption for in our contract projections. Um, that's, I guess we can just answer that quickly. Yeah, quick. And I, that was, really I think know, Chris, I, Johnst- Chris Johnston confirmed that on Insider Trading per the NHL Watcher yeah, account. Yeah, so. I, I asked on Twitter a couple weeks ago, and also that was more or less confirmed. So that yeah, does just seem Just a quick, like, quick question out of the way. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. So, um, okay. We're not going to talk about the Leafs goaltending. Uh, so we're cool. going to skip that one. Who are some of the best pairs duos this year, excluding defensemen? So specifically forwards. Ooh. I would assume Matthews and Marner. God damn it! I don't have that data. Uh, let, me, let me. I save. I save forward combos, so I would have to go query something. Um, I let me look at duos. We have it on our. Let's just look at five on five duos. No, but that's only defensemen. What are you talking about? It's only defensemen. No, no, no. There's regular duos, bud. Yeah, Do you not you, know this? You made this, bro. <laughs> on on the combos tables? Yeah. You could just specify that the teammate is a forward well, and that the player is a forward. Oh, the, the teammate tool. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I would say oh, right okay. now it seems like, I mean, it depends on on amount of time together. I guess if we put a 100-minute cutoff, um, probably would be, uh, looks like it's uh, Sean Quebec, is it Bergeron DeBrusque? Uh, at five Bergeron five? DeBrusque? What are you talking about? Yeah, it's, I mean, that's what they have. They have one of the highest uh, XG force percentage together well bergeron and craig smith like yeah but like you're putting on i i'm I'm just i'm just i'm just trying to find quickly See, this is what you not being uh bayesian like does to me like it it just wait didn't they ask about specifically this season yes but like they haven't played that much how many minutes is that they played 140 minutes together 141 minutes together which is not, I mean, I'm so just. So should we go higher? Yeah, higher that's what I'm saying. That? I'm. We let's do 200. How, what's your cutoff, Sean? So that I don't. 300 minutes. Let's do 300 minutes. A lot of, that having... returns 422 forward duos. Yeah. So in that case, is so random. Okay, Bergeron McAvoy. Bergeron McAvoy. No, no, is that okay? For you? Bergeron McAvoy. No, they said forwards. I thought it was either or. Let's go no. with 400 minutes. I. Like All right. How about Marshan Marshan Bergeron? <laughs> It's just, <laughs> it's just Bergeron. We can't escape Bergeron. It's just Bergeron. Okay, uh, so well, so the, because okay. Bergeron has like by far, he still has like a sixty nine percent expected goal four percentage at five on five, right? Uh, yeah, actually, the you said you said Marner Matthews Bunting Marner actually has a higher XG percentage, and they've played almost five hundred minutes together. Um, uh, and I, here we go. Here's another one. We got Mangiapane, Blake Coleman. Oh, that's a good one. And we have Mangiapane and Michael Backlund. And then we have Goudreau, Kachuk, Barkov, Verhage, Deneau, 
Moore. Ooh, Trevor Moore. Yeah. Uh, and then I mean, this is by Corsi four percentage. And then okay. we have the Colorado players. We have Landis Gograntin and then Dano Arvidsson. So like, it's just going to be kind of like line combos just broken up. Yes. Um, that would be. And for I think the, like Bergeron, I think Bergeron and Marshawn secure is just the answer. Yes, it is. Yeah. But like for for reference for anyone, last year. The highest of this with this same cutoff, which is a little bit, I guess it's kind of similar, but that would, it would have been, yeah, Landeskog, Rantanen, McKinnon, Rantanen, Landeskog, McKinnon, <laughs> and then Pasternak, uh, Bergeron, Marshan, Bergeron, Marshan, Pasternak. So it's literally the top two lines in the league. That's kind of what the what from last season. So this leads into uh, another a good question that's somewhat similar is can um can you truly determine the skill level of an individual player statistically when they play almost all of their minutes with the same line mates um which is kind of on the similar thing because marshall and bergeron they played 80 percent of their time together which is pretty high it's not too high um i guess i don't know luke you want to take that one i mean we've talked about this before but um it's more of a yeah it gets the higher the time on ice percentage with between like like the you know the the higher the percentage of time players spend together as relates relative to their total time on ice gets, if that makes sense, the more difficult it is to uh, properly kind of use a, a regression, linear regression to separate or try to isolate their or control for their um, independent event, like contributions. Um, it just, it does get very, very difficult. And that is, we've talked about this many times, but like the city problem, um, there was a season with Tavares and Marner, I believe, a couple years ago that was one. Um, I kind of want to say... I would say that if you're worried about it, um, or this is kind of what we do, is we double-check against our GAR model because there isn't um, that kind of... that. I guess that multicollinearity isn't as, much, isn't as prevalent in that model. So if you feel like there is something there... Um, uh, this is what we do: is we just go check GAR because that's kind of the model yeah. is set up to. So, like, if if, if two players who've played like you know, say ninety percent of their time together, and I don't know if anyone has this year. I think Ekblad and uh, um, and Weger ha- have potentially. Although I could maybe I'm maybe that's yeah we have oh so Cro- oh that was last year so like Crosby Gensel played like almost ninety four per, uh, percent of their time together last year, which is very very high. Um, and let's see, this year we have Goudreau, Lindholm have played like 91% of their time together, and Zabanajet and Kreider have played uh, 91%. So, yeah, like, so- those, are, those are ones where, like, since they've played so much time together, like, generally we'd kind of, I've kind of go look at their, their wrap-up charts and then their XGAR results, like, comparing both, and then compare that to how similar or different the GAR results are. Because our relative-to-teammate method doesn't... Um, it it the way it works and this just worked better for predicting overall rapum was the um it it uses um teammates just raw on ice uh percentage or like raw on ice metrics as a weighted average instead of the uh time uh without like the results that that player had without the another teammate um and so that uh, inherently removes the like multicollinear. At least this is what we've seen. Is that like the Sedins have basically the exact same gar playing like ninety five percent of their career together, um, where they don't have that with Rabum um, generally in per season. Now that's not over many years, but yeah. So I we generally like to kind of cross check against gar, which is kind of one of the reasons why we we like the gar model is that the multicollinearity issue is is inherently not a problem there, um, where or we've we've adjusted 
it, it's it's built differently, so you don't have that problem. Whereas built different. A, yeah, it's <laughs> whereas if you have a regression, like a linear regression type model, like the XGAR component, like various components or uh, Rapam, they will have a multicollinearity issue. And there are ways that you can kind of try to address that, but they get really, really finicky. Like you can do um, uh, some tricks with linear regression, but it's just the model's way too big um, to kind of uh, set stuff up like that. And it just gets really weird. It gets, it just is not super easy using the framework we're using. Um, now you could go into much more complicated Bayesian models, but we don't have time <laughs> to run those maybe, every maybe night. Maybe in the future. Maybe in the future, but a lot of the really complicated like Bayesian models, they take like hours to run um, if you're using like something like Stan. So, I mean, we haven't explored that yet. So anyway, long answer, but yes, it is very difficult uh, to um, properly uh, separate. You're just rambling on, Luke. Yeah, I know. Stop. Well, stop me. Somebody's got to stop me in these situations. You should stop yourself. Okay, whatever. All yeah. right, I'm done. All right, I think we have one more question, or are we done? Uh, let's do one more, I guess, because uh, we talked about this privately. Stuart Miller asks, uh, also, shout out to Stuart Miller. I think he was the one who told me about um, Top Pot. Is it Top Pot? I have no yeah, idea what you're talking pot. about. So, when I went out to Seattle... There's no Dunkins in Seattle. I don't know I, if you know that. There's no Dunkins in the I, state of Washington. I there are hardly any here, so, so I, it's I, very I, yeah. it's very rough on me. And uh, yeah, that was he suggested that to me, and the coffee was like whatever. It was all right, but like the donuts that they have there are to die for. Like, Were they better insane. than Dunkin' Donuts? I don't eat the food at Dunkin'. <laughs> I did try the chocolate croissant. Um, on uh, <laughs> Sunday, and it was actually not that bad. I, but I have, yeah, rule of thumb: don't eat Dunkin' food. I have never. Uh, I've only had Dunkin' twice, and both times it was very disappointing. And I, I don't. You're very disappointing. No, it's just it's. I actually had to have a Starbucks coffee today. I didn't go back out to get a Dunkin', so I had like a Starbucks K cup, and it was the worst coffee experience I ever had. <laughs> okay, all right, let's get back to the mailbag. We can so, probably fit two um, questions in here. Is oh. there a way to quantify why goalies do so well in Carolina? No. So this is like theory that goes. <laughs> this is theory that's going around that like the score. There's like a problem with the scorekeepers there. Yeah. Or the stat trackers there, and like I asked around to people who have like private data, and like that doesn't seem to be a thing that like Freddie's getting like boosted. Um, it's possible that there's some rink bias. Freddie's a little bit worse. That's Frederick private. Anderson for anyone who doesn't know. Yes. Yeah. A little bit worse than like private models, but like he's still a top five goalie this year in terms of goals saved above expected well, in private and the, models. The as other well. thing the other thing with Anderson is that he was like really, really good for the Leafs for a long time. And then he had like one or down year or two down years and he had now, two really bad years. Yeah, but. I know, but like he was a really good goalie for like five years or maybe longer. Yeah. and so like it's much more I, I think it's easier for me to just be like, well, he was extremely good, and then he had a couple down years, and now he's bounced back. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I think he's shown this before. Because the, the other thing is like, yeah, I, but I the guess, ironic part, the ironic part you have to understand here that goes along with this that you're probably not thinking of is like Morazic, who played pretty well in Carolina, went to Toronto, and he's just been booty cheeks. Well, yeah, but he, I mean, Morazic, he was good, but I, I wouldn't consider Morazic like 
I don't no, know. but he played really well. No, in, he did. But he like, did, but I don't think he was at the caliber that Anderson was when he was with the Leafs. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like right. Mrazek was. He did have like kind of a, a high, a quick high peak, I think, with the Carolina. But it's funny, if you, like looking at our GAR model for goalies, like even just going through like the top like 200 goalie seasons by that metric, the only goalies from Carolina that really stick out there are like Cam Ward in like 2007, 2008, and 2008. Yeah, they had like really bad goaltending for a while. Yeah, they, they no, that's that's what's and funny. Now they're having like, like some yeah. hot streaks. Yeah, when they had Ned last year, and they have Anderson, who's like on a crazy high you know performance this year but like historically i don't think carolina has really had like i mean good goaltending that used to be a thing five or you know four or five years ago it was like they had cam ward or they i don't even remember when cam ward got traded or when he stopped playing but like it was never i don't so all of a sudden that's the focus because carolina is just kind of this absurd team well, we got also into trouble for saying we thought Brendamore should win the um, Jack Adams. Uh, <laughs> this year? Yeah, well, that was somebody asked us for Jack Adams. We're like, well, whatever. We'll just do Jack Adams based on which teams are more are most uh, overperforming their preseason projections. And number one was Carolina. Number two was Florida. And number three was uh, the Flames. So I think um, it definitely goes to, uh, what's his name? Is it Sutter. Bur- not Prob- Burnett. Oh, Burnett. Yeah, Andrew Burnett in Florida. Burnett. Um, yeah, Burnett. but I, I, I guess... Face-off specialist. Yeah, yeah l- wild legend. Wild Minnesota legend. Minnesota wild well, legend. Well, he came into, like, an absolute shit show. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. But, I mean, I think... Like, that... Well, I mean, I get it was a good no. situation on in terms, like, on ice, but, like, he came in, interim head coach, and they've dominated... Yeah, yeah, I mean, I was except so, when they go to Toronto, then they lose. <laughs> so the thing I was just saying was that I was trying to do this the way that we do it, like the Jack Adams. Like I haven't previously picked it, but I was like talking with Josh about this, and like we track all of the public projection models from like I think there's like nine or ten. Josh has tweeted these out, but it's kind of like various different models, and we we I kind of compared or Josh compared the preseason projections. So the average of all of the public projection models, which is like ten, uh, the average points projection for each team and then looking at what their point space is now and yeah i mean carolina i think they were projected to be like you know a good like in the top of their division but they've far outseeded exceeded that yeah um like compared to the other teams now, now i i'm not gonna disagree if people like i think it's really close right like i think sutter for for jack adams is not uh out of the question either like i don't think or and i don't think brunette makes you know is bad i don't think any of those would be fine choices in my opinion this is not really a like you know i should have just put them all in the same tier and said pick one i don't know (laughs) they were close (laughs) i i think that it's more that i i don't know maybe i've just missed it i just haven't seen a lot of talk about brenda more um like and i don't know because like florida was good last year so like right i mean carolina was good last year yeah but like it's people are acting like Florida came out of nowhere, but like they've oh, had, I yeah, I don't know what people they've are had like about. Ekblad and Uyghur and they had Verhage last year, and they have Barkov, and they have you know Huberto, and they have I don't know. It's just like they. I like how Hubert Huberto is like your fifth. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. Well, they added Reinhardt, and they have Duclair. Yeah, they have Reinhardt. Like, I mean, like know. so, I think expectations were like they've exceeded what we would have expected, but they were a really good team heading into this year. They had really good players that have a lot of history of being good. Carolina is kind of similar, but they've you know they also lost. Was that last off? They, they lost, lost Doug, Hamilton. Double, Dougie Hamilton, and and like they, I don't Changed know. Change goaltending. Anyway, I don't anyway. actually really care though. If you want to, if you, I like the Jack Adams to me is kind of a. Well, we don't. Hard. It doesn't get we voted on. Yeah, we don't. We so, don't. So yeah, well, it's 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 well, like it does get voted on. It's the TV broadcast. Well, yeah, I know, but yeah. it's not something that the public like journalists or anybody can yeah. like. I mean, we yeah. The, the it doesn't stop you from having an awards tweet every month. Somebody asked us about. The, yeah, I know. <laughs> That Look, was only. I think that was only. Well, I guess yeah. I was gonna say our third. It's really or fourth, just but be it's driven been... by my 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 just un like 
Uh, I don't Sean, know what the at word. At this point anyway, in the okay, season, next, Sean hates awards, and Luke and I just really love awards. I've always loved awards. It's you a, know this, Sean. Anyway, one more question. One more. I think we should probably call it. I think we're, I think we're done, Luke. I think yeah. your just, long tangents really sent us on a dark Oh, come path. on. Don't blame me. <laughs> Did, was there a fun one? I think they were all kind of like good questions that weren't silly. We should have just, yeah, just done so the full silly. season. The full season, the full episode on no, that. We you were right, most, Sean. We hit most of them. There were some team-specific ones that I don't think that we would have been able to really talk about or answer properly, unless you want to dive into the Rangers' like depth. Uh, this oh, yeah, we're not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's we, end it. And we already <laughs> talked about uh, Carly's uh, question. Yeah, and Sean the, didn't... Uh, the Pride Sean, are going to win tonight. Yeah, Sean didn't want to talk about Leafs with average goaltending, um, so I guess we can avoid that, too. So I think yeah. we just leave it. We call it there. All righty. Well... The next time we'll be recording, we're going to start recording on Monday nights as a regular now. Um, and the next time we'll be recording will be in April, believe it or not. So Wow. Yeah, well, thank you. Right around the corner. I know. Thank yeah. you, everyone, for the mailbag questions. That was yes. they were great. Yes. Thank you very yes, much. Smash the like button. And subscribe. And subscribe button. And subscribe to Evolving button. Hockey. We got great content. Great Recommend stats. it to your friends. Yeah. Leave tell everyone you know. Check out yeah. evolving-hockey.com. You know. Subscribe to subscribe dash all, hockey. Yeah. Yeah. all that good stuff. All right. all right, we need to end this. Yeah, all right, bye, Sean. <laughs> <That's enough. laughs> all right, we'll see you guys next time. Take yeah, it thanks. easy. Sean.